The Midwest Film Nerds podcast is now available on Stitcher Radio. Download the free Stitcher Radio app from the Android and iTunes app stores to start streaming our show today. Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds podcast. I'm Willie. I'm Tim. And I'm Alex. What's going on right now, what? guys? What is happening? <laughs> Am I hosting right you now? You are hosting right is now. Is this real life? This is real life. Oh my gosh. So I'm hosting. Um, yep. This is a trial run. If I'm terrible, please send feedback to us. We'll get to that, though. <laughs> um, today we're going to do a summer movie wager update. We're also going to be talking, talking about what we've been watching and doing a review of David Michaud. 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 Yeah. Michaud's The Rover. <laughs> Uh, we've also got some feedback to discuss for once. Feedback? We've got feedback. What? Yes, it's amazing. This episode is just, Willie, you should host more often. <laughs> this we is groundbreaking feedback. stuff, guys. This is, a, this is a milestone for the show. <laughs> um, speaking of feedback, you can write to us at feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com. Check us out on Facebook by searching for Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at MFN Podcast. And you can find all of our past episodes and full show notes with time codes on midwestfilmnerds.com. Willie, you're wonderful at that. That was good. Yeah, that was good. Well, hey, <laughs> I'm glowing right now. This is like, yeah, this is like when didn't Letterman used to fill in for Carson? You know, I think he did. Yeah, uh, you know, it's got Johnny, not Carson Daly. <laughs> <laughs> if only I was filling in for Carson Daly. I wish. I wish I was that important. Um, well, let's get down to our summer movie wager. Alex, you are in charge of this, so I'm going to have you break it down for him. All right. Uh, Think Like a Man 2 took number one domestically this weekend with uh, 29.2 million, followed by 22 Jump Street with the strong second weekend at $27.4 million, and How to Train Your Dragon 2 in third with $24.7 million. Big girls don't cry for Jersey boys, but they didn't even crack <laughs> the top three with $13.3 million at number four. Now on to the top ten worldwide so far. Spider-Man is still at the top. I was wrong with my prediction a few weeks ago that you guys didn't hear because I recorded it separately. But, <laughs> what was uh, that prediction, Alex? My Just prediction us. was that X-Men was going to overtake it in the next two weeks, and it's been two weeks and it hasn't happened. I think it's going to happen, though. Oh, it'll happen at some point, yeah. because The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is at $703.1 million at number one. X-Men Days of Future Past is at number two with $693.6 million. Maleficent jumps at least two, uh, no, one spot <laughs> at $523.2 million. Godzilla's at number four with $477.6 million. Edge of Tomorrow still strong with $293.5 million at number five. Uh, Neighbors is at number six with $238.2 million. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2 is at $174 million. The Fault in Our Stars is at $164.7 million. I'm interested in seeing how long that one sticks around. That that one's, that's one of the, uh, the ballot busters that could happen it's on a few people's lists so yeah yeah but i think most people from what i remember having heard it was not yeah yeah no i don't i don't think it it hit a lot of people's lists so yeah that one and i think uh what's interesting is i don't think how to train your dragon made the giant splash i thought it was going to make same here same here so i mean a lot of people have that in the top two or three i would think so i think tomorrow i I mean there's uh, okay let me get through the rest of the top 10 uh 22 jump streets at number nine with 151.7 million and a million ways to die in the west is at number 10 with 71.3 million um X-Men Days of Future Past is higher than anybody expected, and with 693 million, like, it's gonna be up there towards the end. Like, I don't see many movies. We've got two heavy hitters yet to come. We've got Transformers out this week, Mm -hmm. and we've got uh, Guardians. Those are the two that I think could, like, make it to the top real easily. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes could end up up there, too. Yeah. But I think those are the two that could, that could... Because I think X Men's going to beat Spider Man soon. I yeah. think. I, I mean, I think that's probably within the next week. I would guess. I'm going to yeah. make another bold prediction, Alex, and say that. <laughs> that's Don't do it. Don't this do week, it. are we out of kids movie? Like, well, I mean, Transformers, but this like, is are it. we out of kids? And we have like, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles, and then is that? There's there, no. Cartoon? There are no big animated movies left this summer. No, there's like Planes too, but that doesn't count as a movie. <laughs> it's not even really... Pl- yeah, no. <laughs> is that a theatrical sorry, release? Sorry to anybody who it put is. that on their, on their I list. Thought, I thought it was... I think the original plan was direct-to-video and then somebody said no. Like how well, they used to do pr- like The Lion King too. Right, or yeah. Aladdin, yeah. Prince of Thieves or whatever that one right. was. Oh, yeah, Robin this one, Thieves, this one it's it's <laughs> the opposite because this one started out direct-to-video and then it became a movie. Oh, theater. maybe it's just that mm-hmm. good. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to bring people in the yeah, seats. Yeah, people are going to be like, Wreck-It Ralph, Frozen Planes 2. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Um, is Larry the Cable Guy? Let's not talk about Planes 2 anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
You're really curious about this. <laughs> I, I didn't know it existed until like 30 seconds ago. That's amazing. I think Godzilla's higher up there than most people anticipated right now. I think I think uh, if I had to guess with Godzilla, it's going to take a bump of at least a couple spots. It's going to be up there, though. Yeah. Um, Neighbors being up there is pretty big. Edge of Tomorrow being up there, I think, is pretty big because most of us were kind of sour on it. Leading like the the marketing was so bad. As it was we bad. Later, but I think the word of mouth really really helped on that. International one. too. Tom Cruise is still yeah. big overseas. He's big he? overseas. Yeah. Uh, Asian territories. I think he's huge. Yeah, yeah this huge there. So, um, is, is that a joke about how he's short? But maybe he's still <laughs> never mind. It was. Sorry. I was just gonna play it like <laughs> like it wasn't. Sorry, you really screwed this up. <laughs> Um, See what happens when I'm not host? Yeah. When, <laughs> I just completely detract from the podcast. He's a wild card over there. <laughs> he is. This is, this is interesting. Um, no, you know, A Million Ways to Die in the West did not do as well as I thought it might do. Yeah. Um, Was that an R? Yeah. Okay. That's probably why. But I, I guess for some reason I thought it was PG-13. I don't know why. I saw the trailer and it was... Well, 22 Jump Street's rated R. That's true. And it's it's like one of the best performing R-rated comedies ever. Yeah. Yeah, it so. deserves it. So... All right, uh, Transformers: Age of Extinction is out this weekend. That's the only the only wide release. So. Yeah, all three hours of it, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> Anybody else freaked out about even considering sitting in that? You know, I was I, I said to you guys that if David Wayne's movie came out, that I would rather do that. But I think because it was filmed here, we kind of should do it. We are the Midwest Film Nerds podcast. Right. Ryan Gosling's last like eight movies were filmed here. We didn't watch those, Alex. <laughs> Well, they haven't been released yet. No, whatever. <laughs> Fine, I'll go watch Transformers. All right, all right. Uh, anyway, that's it for the Summer Movie Wager this week. All right, thank you, Alex, with our Summer Movie Wager update. Let's get into what we've been watching, boys. All right. Has it been a hefty week for you, fellas? Tim, what, are you, what is going on with you here? Should we go to Alex first? No, we're going to Tim first. Okay, I didn't I'm, know I'm gonna because mix I things. Thought, I know. It's, I it, thought, you know what? I made it up on the spot, Tim. I fell asleep on the couch two nights ago to a friend's marathon at Nick at Night. It's delightful. Let me tell you this. I've seen every episode of Friends, I believe, because this is my, one of my favorite stories growing up. My mom and dad would get home around the same time, and they would, Friends would always be on, syndication, mm-hmm. and my mom would pull my favorite move of all time. Like, my dad would go to, like, he goes, oh, we've seen this one, and my mom would go, no, we haven't seen this one yet, <laughs> and she always knew that we had seen this one. She just didn't want to return at the sports center, like he was going to, <laughs> and, like, he would, and, like, he, she would guilt him into leaving it on. That's amazing. So I would just be sitting on the couch um, growing up. So I've seen all the episodes of Friends. These these were later. This was leading up into Monica and Chandler's wedding. I don't know if anybody mm, yeah. sure. anybody familiar. Is that really that later though? I think that's, it's seven. That's still like it's middleish. It's it's end of the middle section. Okay. It's honestly Seriously. end of where I like like the show. Okay, and I think that's probably about the tipping point for me because. I hate the first two seasons. I think it's like the first season, probably, of Friends. Yeah, sure. Like, Ross in the first season of Friends is the worst character yeah. on the history of TV. And it looks <laughs> like it was filmed in the 70s for yeah, some reason. It's so, it's so bad. Like, Chandler's like the only good one, I think, in the early episodes. He, he was great throughout, I think. Yeah, Chandler's just the only constant for me. Yeah, yeah. And because I like it better when they start to turn a little bit more into cartoon characters, honestly, because the show never really like I never really felt for any of them. I mean, because it starts with the theme song, which is ridiculous, yeah. by the way. I mean, like it might it, as well be a cartoon. Yeah. I mean, and like show a little perspective, friends theme song, like you burned your <laughs> breakfast. Like there are people getting shot in New York City and you're upset about your breakfast being burnt. So, I mean. It starts with that, and then, like, I never really felt for the character, so when it just starts, when it gives up and just tries to be funny and throw jokes, that's when I like the show the best, like, when Ross turns into, like, a goon. And like, <laughs> I think that's why How I Met Your Mother was was so successful. I mean, that's really kind of the second coming of Friends. I always thought, and it's it's closer to the later Friends stuff. I okay. think, like in terms of what you're saying, it becomes a funnier show. Right, right, right. Yeah. So um, these were yeah the episodes leading up to the Chandler Monica wedding, and this is this is a weird episode I watched because they had a lot of odd things happening. They go and uh, well, Phoebe. Has uh, has a boyfriend who wears women's underwear, <laughs> so she's like Joey. You gotta be like he's secure in his manhood, and like Joey, if you were secure, he'd wear women. You'd wear women's underwear, so he wears women's underwear. And, like that's the whole plot. That's like the B <laughs> plot of the show. And then the other plot, there's three plots. The other plot is um, I think Ross has a Porsche 
but he's afraid to drive the Porsche. I didn't really get this, but Rachel's not afraid to drive the Porsche. And this is the only use. The, friends very rarely used uh, like source music, but they use Nelly's Ride With Me. As, as, like, Rachel's driving the Porsche. <laughs> and they get pulled over, and she flirts with the officer. And then the show ends. And Ross is driving, and he gets pulled over, and he tries to flirt with an officer, too, to, like, show her, and, like, that's where the show ends. Like, it ends with him flirting, and, like, <laughs> the officer's like, no, you're an idiot, and he writes him a ticket. <laughs> like, that was a weird ending. And then the main plot is, this is, and this is weird, it's, it's so dated because it's a really, like, homophobic episode of Friends. Like, it really is, like, or it's just weirdly, like, because, um, there's a lot of, oh, my gosh, David Arquette's, uh, Alexis Arquette is in this. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But it's homophobic's not the right word. Um, f- find one and dub it in. Intolerant. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just weird how dated it is. But they go to Chandler's dad is a drag queen now, played That's by right. Kathleen Turner, mm-hmm. yep. and they go to her drag show in Vegas. And Chandler Chandler's really homophobic or like really transphobic in this episode. Like he makes a lot of. A lot of, like, yeah, drag queen jokes, and they're kind of mean. Oh, no. <laughs> they're really mean-spirited. <laughs> I don't remember any of them. But there was one joke in it, and it was, like, midnight when I was laying on the couch watching this, and I started cackling loudly. But <laughs> Kathleen Turner plays her dad, and she's at the drag show, and he, she goes, where are you from, sir? And he goes, New York City. And Kathleen Turner goes, well, I'm not familiar with New York City, but I do like Queens. Oh, <laughs> and I remember no. thinking, like, this is the height of comedy right now. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever heard. That's amazing. So then, yeah, then they got married, and then I think Rachel gets pregnant, and that's pretty much it. All right. Well, thank you, Tim. <laughs> no, uh, like, I wasn't expecting I recapped that. three episodes of Friends for <laughs> you guys. Those, I'm going to track those ones down specifically <laughs> because I kind of want to see exactly what you just talked about. Right. So I can really experience it. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, I'll have this on record, so I can listen to the commentary. It's true. It's true. You know, Alex, how about your? How about you? What have you? Uh, what have you been watching? I went to the theaters and saw a little movie film called The Fault in Our Stars. Uh, it's an Alex movie, as <laughs> as you may know, listening to this podcast. There are movies that I like that nobody else on this podcast will like, and this is one of them. Why is that? Because I. What, what because uh, like uh, Alex movies are. I basically wrote a wrote an article about why I like trying to discover why I like romantic comedies. Okay, and this is this kind of falls into that like genre. It's it's a romantic comedy, but there's also more. It's like kind of a more teeny bopper ish uh, uh, Nicholas Sparks movie, okay. basically. Um, and it's an Alex movie because it's kind of indie-ish and it's rom-com and it's teenager relationshipy crap. That's that's Alex movie. That's, <laughs> okay, that, <laughs> that all falls under the umbrella of Alex. Post John Hughes. <laughs> yes. Stuff. Yes. Okay. Um. So I liked it quite a bit, and I could go through and be like, uh, the the main boy. I think he made some really weird choices with his character because he's supposed to be this kind of like aloof, like really positive person, and it kind of doesn't feel very genuine and I don't I think it was by design but I don't think it portrays what they wanted to portray with that character so I'm kind of iffy on that uh they used M83 in the soundtrack which is amazing any movie that does that I'm probably gonna like it anyway uh there were Alex's tears there were legitimate tears that were like I did I did cry during this movie all right um but there was also a little bit added to that because I was there there were maybe eight people in the theater and at the end of my row there was this older couple that was like i don't know maybe mid 50s uh and i could hear the man was like he was crying and i knew it and it was it was really really it elicited something out of me because i was like why is this resonating with this guy so much not that it shouldn't but it's it just kind of made me wonder like does he have a daughter or does he have a son that was going through this kind of thing and like it it was really interesting and 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 I love the movie too because it brings up a lot of themes that I personally like to think about things like you know dealing with your pain instead of hiding from it by drinking or you know drugs or whatever you're going to do and um you know just it it kind of talks about a lot of these these things and not to bring the podcast down but anyway i thought it was very interesting and i think it's definitely a movie worth seeing i'd be interested in in, in seeing what other people got out of it whether or not uh the fact that it's an alex movie colors my perception of it but um 
No, I wanted to write something about it, but I can't really figure out exactly how I want to write it yet. So maybe maybe look for something on the website at some point in the future on The Fault in Our Stars. But comes heavily recommended from me, and uh, yeah. Cool. That's about it. I'll check it out when it comes out on, uh, on the Blu-rays. Okay. Um, I, I had a hell of a double feature the other night. I watched uh, Philomena. With uh, the the Oscar nominated film with oh, Dame, the, the Dame, with the Dame oh. and Steve Coogan. Okay, uh, it's a delightful film. The it Dame really is, is. is Judy Dench for those at home. <laughs> yes, the Sorry, Dame and Judy excited. Dench that aren't us. Um, star of Chronicles of Riddick, and um, <laughs> it, it was it really that the two leads work so well together. There's there's a very very cool chemistry between uh, Steve Coogan and, and uh, Judy Dench. She's so. Stuck in her ways. What's the movie about? So, <clears throat> basically, she, it's actually based on a true story. Um, uh, the book was written by Steve Coogan's character, the actual the actual guy. Gotcha. Okay. Um, you know what I'm trying to say. Yep. Anyway, um, he's kind of down on his luck. He's a journalist, and he hears about this woman who lost her son through kind of the machinations of the Catholic Church years mm. ago. You know, she had him out of wedlock, and they didn't a big gotcha, fan of that. Okay. And she worked at this, you know, at like this, uh, this church and stuff, and they kind of took him away, gave him up for adoption without asking her. Um, so it's about her. Like by now, it's he's like fifty, or he will be fifty, or whatever. And so she's like, you know, he'll be fifty years old today. I want to find him. I want to know what happened to him. I want to know, make sure he's okay, and all this stuff. So, needless to say, it gets pretty emotional because it's this, you know, adorable old woman like trying to find out what happened to her kid. And uh, Coogan kind of takes her on this journey. And he starts off with some very kind of... Doing it for very selfish reasons, but there's kind of a nice arc there. So, okay. anyway, it's the, the leads are great. Um, they have a lot of really, really, really good scenes together. Judy Dench is, like, equal parts funny and, like, heartwarming and sad. And it's like, it's just a... The, it's a performance that just totally runs the gamut. You know, it just... It's amazing. Um, and then I followed that up with Ride Along. Um, is the dame in that? Like, she is not. Like peanut butter and jelly. Yep. She is not in Ride Along. Um, and it also was not Oscar nominated, but it is starring um, former NWA member uh, Ice Cube and Kevin Hart and current media sensation Kevin Hart. Yeah. Um, I have not understood the Kevin Hart love thus far. He's getting a lot of uh, a lot of press. I know he's been in a lot of movies lately and done a lot of stand up and stuff. I've seen him around before. I remember seeing him in Forty Year Old Virgin back when that first came out because he's got a very tiny role. It's, <laughs> really, it's, it's a really funny bit. Though. Yeah, it's yeah, a funny. Yeah. yeah, it's a funny little uh, that little. What is the Willis line that? Do you remember the Willis line? He I, all I remember is he goes, "We come here clapping," and he starts going like, "Yeah, that. yeah, that's right, that's right." <laughs> but I, I haven't understood that thus far, and I, I get it now. He's really, really funny in Ride Along, um, and I think a big part of that is this feels like a movie that could have easily been made in like the uh, the mid to late '80s, even early '90s, like a Beverly Hills Cop type thing. It doesn't feel like those, but like the plot kind of it feels like it could have been written in the '80s and has been like adapted for today because it's been sitting on a shelf or something. And I like that. I like the buddy the buddy atmosphere it puts off. You well, know? That, I mean, I don't know if it's anything, but like Ice Cube's pretty good at playing off those kind of manic, manic, fast talking, like Chris Tucker and Friday. Because so he's like, the he's, exact opposite. Right. Yeah, he's yeah. so calm and collected and kind of a badass and you know he, he doesn't have a ton of like all of his lines are usually shut up or like mm -hmm. screaming at somebody for something <laughs> so it's it's very funny because kevin hart is trying to win this guy over to so he gives he gives kevin hart the blessing to marry his sister and you know kevin hart's just this, like the school security guard and you know ice cubes is hardened uh you know hardened detective and it's really funny to see him work together uh there's some actually some pretty fun action moments. It reminded me of 21 Jump Street, actually, a little bit. Not quite as funny for me, but definitely got some laughs. So, yeah. The strangest double feature I've ever had. Certainly. Yeah, I'm wondering what we picked over Ride Along. That's my, my question right now. What did we review? And oh, we were probably still in, like, Oscar movie time, because that was, like, early January. Yeah, that sounds right. So, um, it's not like we should uh, regret our Oh, our Tim choice. Story. Okay. Tim Story, yeah. Director of uh, the Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four franchise. He did Barbershop. I think he's Think Like a Man, too, right? Yeah, that think could like look at man. him. Look at him. Yeah, he's he's, he's getting work. Yeah. He did the original thing. Oh, and he did think. Yeah, he did both. He's, he's doing all right. He's thought like <laughs> he's thought some like a man twice. Men. 
And he's yeah. also done a TV series called Super Ninjas. Yeah, that's what jumped out at me, too. Yeah. Um, good. And Ride Along 2, apparently, has been announced, uh, according to IMDb's ever-reliable uh, website. So, yeah, no, it's... Uh, <laughs> It was fun. It was really fun. Um, Philomena, I can suggest to pretty much anybody. It's kind of a movie that I feel like you don't have to see it, but I think that you should. You know, and ride along. It's it's great. Just drink a cold beers and have fun with it. You know, so play yeah. the KRS one song from the trailer. Yes, absolutely. That's in it's, every trailer. Uh, the sound of the police. That's the sound of the police. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that was in the trailer for the Heat, and it was in the trailer for. Oh no, the trailer for the Heat was that. Good girls, bad girls. Duh, duh. Yeah, oh, it's God. the MIA song, and yeah, no, um, Cop Out was another. Cop one. I Out, think it was in. of the Police. Yeah. yeah, Twenty One Jump Street might have. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I, would, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was in Twenty One Jump I, Street. Twenty One Jump Street might have. Yeah, yeah, I. It's it's fun. It's worth checking out. It's it's way better than a Haunted House, which is a movie that I saw not too long ago that was not so good. Um, but yeah, okay, so enough of that. <laughs> enough of my double features. Um, let's get into the review of The Rover from director David Michalt. Um, starring, or I'm sorry, actually starring Guy Pierce, Robert Pattinson, and Scoot McNary. And uh, actually written, well, the story was written by Joel Edgerton, one of my one of my faves. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. Um this is a movie, let's see, well, actually, let's go into the IMDb synopsis, because that's what Alex does. Ten years after a global economic collapse, a hardened loner pursues the men who stole his only possession, his car. Along the way, he captures one of the thieves' brothers, and the duo form an uneasy bond during the dangerous journey. Well done. All you right. Didn't, you didn't stumble through it like I always do. <laughs> well, you know, this is fun. Um, so, let's start with you, Alex. What did you think about The Rover? You know, uh, if any of us cared about seeing this movie, it would have been me. Maybe. I or think. Nick, who's not here. Or Nick. Yeah, mostly Nick, who's not here. But uh, I like Guy Pierce quite a bit. I like Scoot McNary quite a bit as well. Oh, I forgot to talk about Halt and Catch Fire. Damn it. Go ahead right now, because you're talking no, about Scoot it's McNary. No, okay. it's okay. Scoot McNary's awesome. He's in Halt, Halt and Catch Fire, which is a new AMC show. Go check it out, please. I don't want it to get canceled. Please. You'll hear you'll hear Alex's thoughts on it at some point. I'm, I'm sure. sure I'm going to talk about it all the time. And you're going to hear me cry so hard if it gets canceled. I was going to say, we'll hear about probably going to happen. <laughs> It's going to um, be, what's, what was the AMC show you guys always... Oh, Rubicon? Rubicon all over again. Rubicon, we're going to... Uh, never mind, I'm not going to talk about <laughs> okay. it. Um, anyway, Scooping Marys. Yeah, uh, I think there's not a lot that I really enjoyed about this movie. Okay. If I enjoyed anything, it would be Guy Pierce's performance. And um, I think Robert Pattinson was 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 good. It's kind of a... It's a strange character for anybody to play, and, and, and I think he did a good job with it, which... You know, I've seen him as, like, Cedric Diggory in Harry <laughs> Potter 4, and that's about it. So, you know, props on, on him, and I'd like to see him do more. Um, I haven't seen Cosmopolis, which I wanted to check out, but, you know, never got around to it. Uh, this movie's very bleak, and, uh, and, and, and it's pretty... It's a very simple story. It's very point A to point B, and uh, usually when... You can distill a movie down to point A to point, point B. I, I I want there to be more, and I think it's it's pretty beautifully shot, but it's all in Australia and like post apocalyptic looking Australia, so there's not a lot for your eyes to feast on in this sense. So it's kind of just Australia. It's yeah, it's kind of, it's like you know barren Australia just out in the country. So there's not much going for it there. I think this, the, the the music was was pretty cool. It was interesting. It reminded me a lot of Minecraft, actually, which is kind of funny. But uh, <laughs> except for that one weird scene in the middle, which is strange with Robert Pattinson singing. Yeah, we'll along. talk but, about that one. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But uh, other than that, like it, you know, I think I think watching the relationship form between Robert Pattinson's character and Guy Pearce's character is interesting. But I don't uh, I don't think it's enough to sustain the rest of this movie. And I feel as though the movie wants to kind of take you on this journey and, and you end at a particular destination, but neither of them feel particularly worth it. I enjoyed the destination once we finally got there. I thought that might, maybe like the last 20 to 30 minutes of this movie might be the best that this movie has to offer, but I don't think that the journey was worth the destination. So that's how I felt. All right. Fair enough. Tim, how do you feel? Well, along the same lines. I didn't really like it. Um, I like parts of it. 
I did like the two main performances. I thought um, I thought Pattinson was good, and I thought um, Guy Pearce was really good mm-hmm. as the main performance. Um, this whole thing to me, though, it felt like as I was watching it, and it kept running through my head. It felt like Cormac McCarthy, like light, and not like light wacky Cormac McCarthy, <laughs> like a wacky version of the road, but which would be really funny. But, um, <laughs> but it just felt like it. No, it it felt like Joel Edgerton or whoever wrote the script had seen like the road or no country and said like, I'm going to make that and didn't get really any of why those movies work. So, uh, because there's just no, there's no real depth or meat to this other than a couple yeah. scenes. I thought, I thought there were a couple really nice scenes, but when you, when you're doing these kind of bleak and just downer movies like this, because even the road has those glimpses of humanity. The book I'm more, I haven't seen the movie actually of the road, but I've read the book, and um, God, even the counselor, which I think I, I think I liked, and I think I might be <laughs> no, the only like. Pretty sure you enjoyed that movie. Coming out of this, I was like, oh, now I know how like people who like felt coming out of the counselor, like I, felt, <laughs> but like there are glimpses in the counselor of some humanity, and so and that's what made it work for me, and that's why it kind of it affected me so much. This and Guy Pierce's character by design, I don't think has a lot of it. No. But that doesn't work yeah. for me. It doesn't tell a, sat- a satisfying story. Um, I like the I like the look of the movie. Um, I thought it captured what it was trying to with the post apocalyptic stuff. Um, I think I liked the scene we're going to talk about with the music a little bit better. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where everybody's going with it. I just don't. This is it was another thing. Where it, it, it didn't work because of the, what led up to it. Are we? I think we can talk. We can okay. talk about yeah. the scene as long as we we keep it down there's to not, the bear. I mean, are we going to really spoil? Uh, it's, it's not a spoiler. I so don't go think, ahead. And, are we even going to do spoilers? We can do a spoiler section, okay. but because I, I don't really have much else to say. But no, yeah, they, Robert Pattinson is sitting in a car, and uh, so it's "Don't Hate Me Because I'm Beautiful." I can't. Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. It's a pop song from a couple years ago, I think, mm-hmm. which was weird enough to begin with because it's ten years in the future and. Oh, who's still playing these songs? Yeah, I didn't understand that, but I think what it's trying to go for is it's trying to show a part of life that that kid will never get to experience. Kind of a kind of a silly, goofy pop song like that. Kid's Robert Pattinson's character is never going to experience that. Mm-hmm. The problem is I don't think it's set up real well because it comes off. The music comes in really loud mm-hmm. and, and too early. The movie shows no sense of humor the entire time, yeah. and. For, that's a really darkly humorous thing to start playing. Like that's a, that's a movie the Coen brothers would pull off or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't pull it off at all. I, I mean, it, I like the idea. I didn't like the execution. So that's kind of what I want to talk about with that scene. I was kind of, <laughs> this is definitely as far as when you follow kind of chart, Robert Pattinson's uh, <laughs> career, this is like, feels like his, like I'm done with being the, the, uh, the brooding, uh, boy toy for thirteen-year-old girls. Mm-hmm. Like this feels like a sh- like sh- he's shouting in the face of things and saying, "Please, God, I, I don't want to be known for Twilight for the rest of my life." And he's he, he, well, he's he Cronenberg's boy now. Right? That's he's true. That's true. Of- mm-hmm. He does a very good job of it, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that this is a performance that that stands out. And I, I actually I haven't seen many of his movies like Alex. I think I've seen maybe one or two things that he's done. But I think that this is proof that he can act and that he hopefully has a bright future ahead of him in better stuff. Um, but I almost thought that maybe this he was they chose to have him singing this song because it was like Robert Pattinson saying like like don't hate me because I'm beautiful baby you know what I mean like don't right. hate me because I'm beautiful like see I can do other things look <laughs> at me in this car and I'm, I got bad teeth and like they, it almost felt weirdly meta to me but maybe that's just no just I didn't me. pick up on that that's I like that it's kind of I don't know I, I we'd have to ask uh, have to ask the director but David Mitchell um, but. <laughs> I don't think we've got him lined up. No, so. okay. I wanted. To, I actually. I looked over to Alex to make sure we didn't have him confirmed for the show. Um, yeah, that's. I don't know. That was a, a thought that popped in my head. But uh, I, you know, I walked out of this one feeling pretty much the same as you guys did. I didn't. I didn't even. I can't say I wanted to like it because I really didn't have any thoughts about it going into it anyway. Um, it. I will say this of it. It's. It's an honest portrayal of what. An economic apocalypse would probably be like, mm-hmm. um, which is probably the most realistic apocalypse of any movie we've seen, to be fair. Um, it's the one we're closest to. <laughs> um, in that way, it's interesting, and I, I think that 
some of the landscape and the idea of of selling the the way that the the bartering and trading system is going on in this movie is kind of interesting. There's stuff that they could have touched on maybe more there. I like the idea of you know everybody wants American money instead of uh, whatever the Australian, Australian money. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some interesting stuff there, and the idea that there's a lot of um, a lot of Asian people in Australia, and there's something going on there. I think there's some sort of cultural thing going on there that something happened that we did not see or will never know about that led to this happening. And even even Robert Pattinson's character and Scoot McNary's character obviously are are from the U.S. So I think so, but I, I'm not a hundred percent. They both sounded southern that. to me. Yeah, um, but it's hard. To, it's they could just be really bad at Australian accents. <laughs> I, I, I thought I thought there was something that said they were, but I could be wrong. I thought he said that they came over from... I thought he said they lived in some sort of... somewhere. That's possible. In the well, I, don't know. I, I just know. I assumed remember. he was playing like a sling blade. Type thing, yeah. yeah. And, and, and to be fair, his role does occasionally, for me at least, borderline on caricature because mm-hmm. it has been done before. Um, but but I, I enjoyed it all, overall. Um, Guy Pierce does his best, uh, is like doing his best Clint Eastwood impression, and I enjoyed every bit of it. Um, just as much as I enjoyed him doing his Kurt Russell impression in Lockdown. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm cool with it, Guy. Just just keep it up. Lockdown was so much fun. Just follow on the footsteps of those action heroes before you, and I'm cool with it, because Guy Pierce has just amazing face um <laughs> it's amazing like seriously look at it like it's so grimy and dirty it, and like honestly like I, oh it was it's crazy he has one of those faces that just tells you so much without him having to, like his eyes just tell you so much without him having to like emote yeah. and so when he the interesting thing is when he does emote as a character in this movie it's so much more impactful because you haven't heard him talk you've had yeah. him ask for his car like 18 times <laughs> um but I'm, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, which is very strange for me to even say. Like, thematically, there's something going on here. Okay. And I can't... I'll talk about it more in spoilers, but I can't quite put my finger on what it is. See, here's the problem, is that... I often have this this back and forth with movies that... Like, there are some movies that I'm willing to put the work into... Like, I'm willing to, like, read between the lines on things like Tron Legacy and other stuff to get sure. more out of it. But then there's other movies like maybe Pain and Gain or or this film. Like, not to equate the two, but sure. where I don't feel as though the movie was enough for me to want to invest the thought power into trying to connect all the dots. Like, yeah, I, I know that there, thematically there's material there. But there's not enough there. There's not enough dots for me to connect and get the full picture. I think and, this is... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I just think this is the type of movie, too, though, too. And I think subtlety's overrated <laughs> a lot of times, honestly. And I think this is the type of movie where... And I'll go back to Cormac McCarthy, but he does it all the time. You pound the theme in. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you want to get across a point, <laughs> write, like, a 10-page ten page <laughs> thing on it. And sure. just pound it in. And I don't... I think this is all pretty... I'm interested to hear what you have to say, because I think it's all pretty surface, this movie. See, and but I, on the other hand, did you see Killing Them Killing, killing, oh, killing them, them Softly? Oh, Killing Them Softly? I did. Yeah, Killing Them Softly. That's, that's hammering it a bit too far, It I is, think. but a lot, of that, a lot of the problem with that one is, though, it feels like preaching. Yeah, and that's there true. Is a, there is a difference. There is a very yeah. fine line. Yeah, that one felt like standing on a soapbox and just screaming, which I still kind of like, but I can, <laughs> see how, I can see how that, yeah. Having a theme, I guess, and, and trying to trying to throw out a message are, are different. Yeah. Yeah, so there's... But they can be tied together as well. I don't know. Um, I There's there's something going on here, and we'll talk about it a little more in spoiler Terry, um, okay. for sure. But um, I do feel better about it than I did. I don't enjoy this movie still. Yeah. I am probably going to watch it again, which, once again, is a shocker to me. <laughs> um, there's something going on Guys, here. this just happened. Like, I saw this happen on Willie's face during this <laughs> podcast. Yeah, it, it, something happened. I don't know. I've been thinking about it. I guess if a movie is making me con- continue to think about it, and not just beyond what do I want to say during my review, um, there's something there. Totally. And it's worth me probably giving it another shot um, anyway. But I, I will say, the uh, when there is action or an action beat or some sort of um, confrontation going on in this movie... The, the tension works. The te- it's tension. There's tension, and, it, and it actually you can feel it. It's not like some sort of superfluous garbage going on. Like you think anybody could die at any given time, and you feel you feel 
maybe not concerned about the characters, but you're more concerned about what am I about to see? Like, what's about right. to happen in front of me? No, and that's another thing I, I really like to not touch it. Um, but with these types of movies, like, the bluntness of the of the actual, like, deaths in the movie, the suddenness of it works really well. Because yeah. it does keep you on the edge when it actually goes down. I mean... Totally. It feels so, real. It feels, it feels legit. It doesn't feel, um... It doesn't feel overly... Not, emotional, or there's not some sort of like you know beautiful soliloquies every time somebody d- bites it. You know, it's not like I don't know. It's <laughs> it's nice. I enjoy that that aspect of it. It fits with the look of the movie and the starkness, and yeah. So yeah, other than that, yeah, it's pretty boring. <laughs> yeah, most of the middle <laughs> stuff is pretty boring. So I can't suggest it to anybody necessarily. But uh, I think we can all recommend uh, Jersey Boys. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna go that there's far. Still, there's um, still a part of me that wants to see that so bad. Yeah, how to see Clint Eastwood just attempt to uh, make a musical, a '50s musical? Maybe we'll hear a, a Tim <laughs> like a big audio boo on uh, Jersey <laughs> Boys at some point. You just really want to know what a Jersey Boys movie is like being filmed from the grave. What if you made a Jerky Boys movie? Jerky Boys. Oh, not. Cut it out, Tim. <laughs> um, all right. I think that about wraps up. Any final thoughts about before we head into spoiler Terry here? No. N- not really. I, I, there's something I'll talk about a little bit more in spoiler Terry. Uh, I don't know. Like, I like No Country for Old Men. And I'm having a hard time setting these two apart necessarily. But... Uh, I don't want to spoil anything. So I'll talk about it in spoiler. There's your teaser for spoiler Terry. Ooh. Stay tuned, folks. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Spoiler Terry. Welcome back to Spoiler Terry for The Rover. Um, <laughs> for Ta Rover. I was just like, is that the name of this movie? <laughs> It is the name of this movie. Yeah, we haven't said that. And it, uh, like, we said it once. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. I've been saying the shot a lot. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Alex. Yeah, so what I was getting at before before the break is that uh, I was like, I want to knock this movie. This happens to me a lot. I think it's exactly what I said in a video that I didn't release about uh, <laughs> uh, A Million Ways to Die in the West. Is that I always find really analogous movies that I like, and then... Uh, and then I look at them very closely, and I'm like, these really aren't that different. I suppose there's a pretty big difference between uh, uh, No Country for Old Men and this movie. I think there's a lot more uh, focused artistry in No Country for Old Men. And there's kind of a very clear vision. But the difference is, like, I really wanted to say the rover isn't particularly good because nobody goes through any transformations. We don't get a whole lot of, like information to help connect not even just connect the dots thematically but we don't get to connect the dots with how did this economic crisis happen uh what have these people been doing for 10 years how does this world work still like those are those are like questions that i think would be interesting to explore and the movie doesn't do any of that uh and then i look at something like no country for old men where nobody's going through any changes Really, the only like when the, the the thing that I took out of No Country for Old Men and most Coen Brothers movies, for that matter, are the the uh, you have to pay for the the uh, consequences of your actions. Mm. That's kind of what I got out of No Country for Old Men, and uh, I think this movie's a lot of the same, the, except it's about Scoot McNary. Sure. Scoop McNary leaves his brother behind, and he and, and he and he helps steal this car. And well, excuse me. And they have to the the group of guys have to pay for their consequences. And um, you know, for some reason, I just still like No Country for Old Men so much more. <laughs> I, th- I think it's just a more skillful movie, and I don't think uh, I don't think Guy Pierce's like you don't get the sense of like these guys are going to get what's coming to them because you don't spend any time with those, those bad guys. Like you spend a very little bit and, and you get a little bit in the brother tension. That's like brothers are pointing guns at each other and something's going to happen here. But in the long run, I don't think there's enough to chew on in the rest of the movie. Okay. So that's, that's those fair. are, those are my thoughts. That's very fair. Tim. No. And I think, I mean, and I've, I already touched on this a little earlier, but what, 
the difference between this and No Country for Old Men, the big differences are, are those scenes in No Country for Old Men with Tommy Lee Jones, and then the scene with um, um, Anton and the wife that kind of add a little bit of a a human element to it. And yeah. I mean, the Tommy Lee Jones stuff and the wife, and then the guy, I'm, I remember the one in the gas station too. I remember just those being really hard for me to watch. And that's why the, the ending of no country works so well for me. Cause it's just so down and, yeah. and you feel for Tommy Lee Jones' character as he, as he's delivering that end speech. And, and I think those are what the differences are between the, these two movies. Um, I did like there was some of it. There were a couple scenes in this movie I liked a lot. Um, they're both between Guy Pierce and Robert Pattinson's character. There's one around the fire where they talk about kind of the consequence of the action thing. And that was the most interesting part of the movie Yeah, is where they talk about how he goes to Robert Pattinson. He says something like, you should feel bad for taking a life. Like, that's how you should feel. Mm-hmm. And That's the price of... Of taking a life. That's the price of taking a life. And I really, really like that. And I kind of, and that's, I wish it would have gone more into that kind of stuff. And yeah. I don't think it does that. I no. think it, I think it throws little things out there and never really, it doesn't beat in the theme. So I, that's why, that's why the movie didn't work for me real well. Okay. Um, it's like when you're playing Mario Golf. Yeah. And you've just completely given up and you just keep hitting around the hole. <laughs> that was this movie with its themes. <laughs> It just kept whizzing them by your head and then coming at it from another angle and just missing it completely again. I like pressing the taunt button in Mario Golf. Yeah, it's pretty That's good. like my favorite part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but someone makes a noise of, like when they, when they hit it wrong, they go, ah, ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the voice acting's fantastic. <laughs> um, anyway, Willie, I apologize. I mentioned uh, thematically something that's going on earlier, and I... I I could be... Please correct me if I'm being ridiculous here. Please write in to feedback at MidwestFilmRights.com. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I'm sure all of you are going to rush out and see this. Yes. <laughs> of course. Um, why wouldn't you? At our glowing review. Um, Summer Blockbuster season is here, boys. <laughs> it is. And we're ignoring it completely. Um... <laughs> So there's some interesting parallels to be drawn between the obsession, because the obsession with the car is not about the car. The obsession with the car is about the dog, who clearly was Guy Pierce's dog. I think we can make that assumption, and they had some sort of uh, it's like his last camaraderie. There's something yeah. there, and I, I honestly feel like there's more going on about the loss of innocence than anything else. I mean, we see things ranging from uh, young boys being sold into prostitution. I mean, children, the most innocent of all, being completely corrupted by this world. We see, um, we hear about uh, Guy Pierce's wife, who even before this started, her innocence was lost when she slept with this other man. Mm-hmm. And there's something there about Guy Pierce wanting to hold on to innocence. And then Robert Pattinson comes along, and in a lot of ways, and I don't mean this to offend anybody, he's kind of like a dog companion. He's loyal to a fault. He's... A simpleton. Yeah. He, he's not. He's not. Yeah. You know, and and he makes a hell of a, of a companion, really. At the end of the day, and losing Robert Pattinson at the end is finally the thing that makes Guy Pierce cry. Um, I think that's because meeting him and kind of in his own strange way bonding with him has made him hope that innocence can still exist in this world. And even though he teaches him that he has to harden himself, he continues to give him lessons like, when you kill somebody, you should feel bad about it. Because he doesn't want this kid to lose himself the way that he's lost himself. Yeah. And when Pattinson dies, I think Guy Pierce finally realizes as a character, nothing, nothing gold can stay. You know, nothing, nothing beautiful can exist in this world. No, innocence is gone, you know. And I think there's something interesting going on there. Um, and and it's, it's also kind of echoed in the scene... Uh, between the nurse or the doctor and um, Guy Pierce's character when he discovers that she's keeping these dogs locked up. And I think my immediate gut reaction was they're eating dogs yeah, to survive. Yeah. Mine too. And, and as it turns out, that's not the case. She's actually trying to protect these dogs. And she talks about how their masters left them behind, which totally parallels Robert Pattinson being left behind by his own brother. Fair. There's some stuff going on here, that, and I think there's more to this. I don't think it makes the journey... The, I don't think it makes the basic plot any more interesting, but I think there's something going on here 
that I did not read into until after I thought about it more. It sounds like the kind of thing that I'd like to read an article about at some point, you know? Like, if like somebody gets some really fully formed thoughts out there about mm-hmm. this movie, then I think it would be an interesting article to read, but I'm not the person who wants to put in the work to figure it all out. And maybe maybe I will. Maybe I'll keep thinking about this. Maybe, maybe by next week I won't remember this movie at all. I don't know. <laughs> I can't, I honestly can't say. Because I can't, like I said, I, I don't, I can't even say I like this movie, but there is something there that has kept me interested in, in at least the themes of the movie. And I think that the the dog parallel thing is very interesting, and the idea of, you know, uh, innocence disappearing from such a nasty, nasty world. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's all I wanted to say on that. It's just a. Uh, thought I had. To be honest, I kind of want to see the Guy Pearson dog movie more than I want to see this movie. You know, then you pretty much just have bad backs. Yeah, that's, <laughs> um, that's true. That's minus true. Uh, minus awesome uh, guys with mohawks and yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. gimps and stuff. I mean, that's that's the one thing we have We had missing. dreadlocks in this. We did have dreadlocks. We did have a have a little person in this film, mm-hmm. which was another uh, frequent... Oh, man, he gets... Oh, he gets blasted. Oh, he does. Out of nowhere. Yeah, it's pretty, that part was did he, pretty brutal. Did he kill the grandma? Uh, the older woman that was yeah. in the... No, he did not. Okay. But, but you know what I find interesting? <laughs> that he was abusive to a dog not long before Guy Pierce killed him. Maybe something going on. I know that seems silly, but it's true. He whips yeah. that rock at that dog pretty hard before he... That's and true. Guy Pierce does not seem to enjoy that. So you almost wonder if that has something to do with him. There was some to. other callback, too, that I thought was interesting. Damn it. I'm sad that I forgot. Oh, well. <laughs> Maybe next week. Maybe. Unless you also forget about the movie. Probably. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got. Um, no. Okay. Any last thoughts on the Rovin? I think that's it. No, Let's that get was, Rovin, boys. That was good. That was good. Yeah. Huh. All right. Um, we said earlier we actually have some feedback to talk about this week. Um, we received an email from Nancy. From uh, a, in, in California. In California. Yeah. A faithful listener, apparently. A new listener. Yes. Because she heard about us on a cast of Kings. Thanks again for cast of Kings for... You know, putting that out there for us. We love you. Yes, we heart you. Um, she had some thoughts about uh, the movie Her and our discussion about the movie Her. And I'm going to read you a little bit from the email here. Mostly um, she said she, we were right about a lot of things. Yes. But we're going to skip over that. Yeah. <laughs> I we're just, just, just going to make mention of it. But yeah. I, wanted you to let, I wanted you guys to know. <laughs> she had some very nice things to say, and we thank her for that as well. She was very sweet. So. Yes, thank you. Um, she here's... also liked us on Facebook, which you can do. By searching for Midwest Film Nerds Podcast on Facebook. Sorry, Willie. Oh, good God. Um, okay, here is, here. without further ado, here is, uh, here's Hera Nancy's thoughts. I do argue with the idea that Theodore was not enjoying the beauty around him because he was engaging in conversation and a relationship with Samantha while on the beach or on the boat to Catalina, where I think he, we saw him smile the most. I think he finally found the partner he needed that he could share those experiences with that was also into those things. With the exception of when Samantha was doing her system upgrade and he was so panicked that she was gone, heartbreaking, he always had instant access to her day or night. With Samantha, he did not have to compromise anything. She was literally literally at his fingertips all the time to pay attention to him and engage with him as he needed. Had Theodore's character been written as a sex-crazed pervert that, was, that only wanted the OS as a sex partner, this movie would not have worked. He was starved for connection and been being, being understood. I think this is how the movie makes the larger commentary on technology and our worsening ability to connect with humans in front of you when you have to text, tweet, or Facebook people via cell phone all the time. On a personal note, I connected to this film when remembering how similar two of my long-distance relationships were to his. I was in one relationship for over a year and the other for, over, for two years. In the mid-90s, before cell phones and email and Skype, hell, before the internet, I essentially saw only one, only saw one long-distance distance boyfriend once every three or so months, then the other once every other month. A vast majority of both relationships existed as phone conversations. The better of both those relationships happened during these phone calls, since that was the more frequent way we connected. By the time we could connect in person, it was always awkward and never really all we hoped it would be. During that time, we missed each other over the phone. Note, I was a teenager during this time, so that played a huge part, too. Sure, Theodore never had a chance to physically be with Samantha, but that didn't diminish the strong feelings he had. Very interesting thoughts. Um, yeah. Alex, I know you were probably the biggest fan of this film That's out true. of all of us, so That's I want to hear what you have to say about, about uh, Nancy's thoughts here. I think I mostly agree with Nancy. Um, it's not necess- I think we kind of... Uh, I don't know exactly how we said it, because it's been a while since since we did that episode, mm-hmm. but... Kind of the idea that 
Theodore is missing out on on uh, the world around him. I, it's less of the world and it's more about the human connection. Because certainly, his experiences with Samantha, uh, you know, make him open him up to the world a little bit more. He's got somebody to share all these experiences with, and that's kind of something that he was missing in his life and something that he wanted. So I kind of, uh, I definitely agree with her in in, in that. Uh, regard like it's 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 hard when you're like even with real people like sometimes you're both trying to figure out what each other likes and then you take uh your girlfriend to a concert and she's just bored the whole time because she's not into that music like the nice thing about samantha is that she wanted to know about everything and she would certainly you know get interested in things that theodore liked so Mm -hmm. um no i i think i definitely think she's right and i and you know if the if the movie was solely about the the you know having an OS as a sex partner, I think it would have been a very different movie and, and not one that would have ended up in my top ten. Probably a Judd Apatow comedy. Lars <laughs> and the Real Girl is what I... Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen Lars and the Real Girl. Well, I mean, it's it tries to be something more, but that's the thing with... That's why it never connected. It connected with some people, but it never connected with me because it's just a... It's just an object in that movie, and you're mm-hmm. like, no, this guy's a creep. Right. Like, I can't, yeah. I can't relate to. It. I can, I can understand what um, the character and her is going through, what Joaquin Phoenix's character and her is going through. Mm-hmm. I can't, but that's what I thought of um, when I read that part. So, yeah, and I haven't seen Lars and the Real Girl either. I noticed the the uh, the ad box at the store all the time. Yeah, and I'm always like tempted, like maybe I should check this out finally. <laughs> so maybe I will. Um, I was not a huge fan of her. I think you would know that by listening to the review. Yeah. Um, but I will say this. This email is interesting because I didn't think about it in terms of really how strange-seeming a long-distance relationship can be from outsiders as well. Yeah, um, Yeah. There, there is a pretty big difference here. But still, there's similarities. Um, and I have also been in a long-distance relationship for about a year. And, uh, yeah, it was – you – you handle things completely differently, and it's a total, it's a different relationship completely. So that's interesting, and that makes me think a little more about it. Yeah, yeah. So, no, and I, I, I wrote back to Nancy with a little bit more extended thoughts, and um, I also tried long, long distance, and it's not, it doesn't work out, and I can't imagine doing it without Skype or cell phones either. Like mm-hmm. having that kind of immediate connection, a lot like Theodore does, is is pretty huge, and the fact that you know. Like, I don't even know what a long-distance relationship would be without current technology. So. Sure. That would not be easy. Yep. So, yeah. The only other thing... Oh, I wanted to touch on real quick. Okay. It's been a while since I... I saw her in the theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were with uh, Nick and I. Yes. And I, I really liked it. I would like to see it again. But correct me... Well, like, when he explains to her... He explains to Rooney Mara, his, ex, his ex-wife, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. He explains the situation to her. She kind of... She's, like, freaked out by it. Or mm-hmm. she, yeah. She's basically, she's basically, like, you always wanted a relationship without any other work. Right. Right. And I think that's one of the things... And one of the things that it touches on in that movie, too, is that... Because when he's in his, his own bubble of, like, other tech people yeah. and he tells them about the relationship they're all kind of cool with it mm-hmm. and some of them have their own so it's another kind of cautionary thing of like don't get caught in a bubble like that because there are other people in the sure. world that don't react the same way to the same thing yeah. so i just I, I thought that was another interesting thing that she kind of touched on in her email too and i wanted yeah. to flesh mm-hmm. out the yeah list. absolutely no it's 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 an interesting movie it is and yeah. i might not have liked it but i can at least admit that it was an interesting movie there's really nothing else like it that i can think of um and for that it should be at least Scene, I think. I thought it was a horror movie, but that was just me. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you again, Nancy from California, for sending us in some feedback. Um, Mr. Tim Long. Do we want to do this? Yeah, we yeah do this? we're, we're going right. to do this. Mr. Tim Long has some thoughts on um, the casting for the... Well, let's... This is let's reset this a little, because this is a voicemail. Yes. From one of our loyal listeners... Mm-hmm. Um, that we never quite got around to it, and it was three minutes long, so we didn't want to play it. You can also call us at 248-7335-MFN, uh, which is 248-7335-636. Please leave us a voicemail. Don't make it three minutes long, and I might actually put it in the <laughs> episode. But basically, Victor, yeah. our fan, um, our fan Victor, he wants to see... There's, they're going to make a Power Rangers movie. Li- Lionsgate acquired the rights to do a Power Rangers reboot Reboot, movie. big budget, yeah. And Victor thinks this would be a nice time for them to kind of dark knight it. Like, uh-huh. make a very serious, like, head... Like, grounded. Grounded Power Rangers movie. Mm-hmm. 
He wants it to have the cachet of like uh, Catching Fire and, mm. and ah, yes. all these young adult uh, the kind of darker young adult series. <laughs> yeah. Got it. I, I was playing a little bit more off the Dark Knight. What I decided to do was I wanted to put together. I wanted to help Victor out. I wanted to put together a fan cast. Okay. For him because. I wanted him to know like what this grim and gritty Power Rangers so, movie. So your 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 selections here are you basing it off of like the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? I'm going original because it's the only ones I come close okay. to remembering. Yeah, I don't know the Wild Force. I, I just wanted know. to know what your template was. Right, and basically I just use. Here's where I've started. Okay. All right, we're gonna go. We're gonna start with director. We're okay. gonna start with a writer. We're going to start with producer. All right. Ooh. This We're is go- more than a cast. This is a crew. Oh, I put, I put this all together. I did nothing at work today. <laughs> um, this is going to be produced. He wants a Dark Knight. It's going to be produced by Christopher Nolan. All right. Obviously. All right. I mean. Uh, we go for the big guns. I've already sold, Tim. We're going for the big guns already. All right. David Goyer, writer of Batman Begins, Blade series. Uh, we got him on the script. <laughs> all right. I've reached out to him through my people. <laughs> Director, we've got to get someone from the, the Christopher Nolan stable, I think. Zack Snyder's also in that stable, but we're not going to go with him. I He's think busy. If there's anybody who nailed technology and like human emotion earlier this year, it's Wally Fister. Ah. It was uh, tr- transcendent. Sure. So, and I think I think he's really going to shine. Yeah, I think this is his. This is his shot, you know, at really, really getting himself out there. I think so. The, the first $100 million movie didn't work. Maybe the second one will. <laughs> I think. Maybe they give him another $50 million, that's what he needs I mean, all right. to really make with it With Chris Nolan back in his corner, because he was Chris Nolan's DP for a while, mm-hmm. I think with him back in his corner, like, I think this is where he's going to get back on his feet. For being a band back together. Yes. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe Chris will know, like, I, okay, I can, use, I can use my guiding hand a little bit more this time. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. If we can't get Wally, if Wally <laughs> decides to turn us down for whatever reason, we'll get the guy who did 300. Uh, <laughs> the no, second 300. No, no Murrow. The no, yeah, the second one. With Snyder's boy. Zack Snyder's boy. <laughs> All right. What do we got? Shadow Snyder. As <laughs> so there we go. We're off, right? All right. We're off we're, to the races. Yeah, we, we, we need a cast now. We got to get a cast. All right. We are going classics. So we're going to start with, uh, with, her name was Rita, right? Rita Repulsa. Rita Repulsa. Rita Repulsa. We're going to put, I think she's right. We're going to put Meryl Streep Ooh, as wow. Rita Repulsa. Oh, I, right. I think it's her time to choose some scenery a little here. Yeah. You think she's going to go for a Langella here? I think maybe a little, but what I was thinking is, much like the Dark Knight series, we needed someone with little little prestige, kind of okay. like Liam Neeson right. and uh, Michael Caine when they it were brought some in. Credibility, exactly. Yeah, I like that. Exactly. I like that. All right. So we're gonna go with. Her. I mean, if people see Meryl Streep in a Power Rangers movie, right? Then how it's gonna how could you not go see it? Ex- yeah. It, yeah, and that's the thing. We're gonna need to sell this to. We're gonna need to sell this to the older folk as that's well. True. Sure. That's true. So, and that's why I went with um, Zordon. Yep. Will be played by um, everybody's favorite Robocop, Peter Weller. We play okay. Zordon. I like that. <laughs> yes, I mean, who? Side note: I'm legitimately excited now. It, you know, <laughs> it, it don't worry. <laughs> it won't cost the studio that much either. To be fair, I mean, I love it, Peter, but you know, and it's the Star Trek strategy of like everybody recognizes Peter Weller. It's true. Like everybody identifies right. with Peter Weller. Like, and oh, I forgot the plot. Because we've got the Green Ranger in this, too. Okay. Oh, oh. And if I recall correctly, the oh. Green Ranger was mind-controlled by Rita Repulsa at some point. Yeah, at the beginning, yeah. She gave him the powers, I believe. Oh, I forgot to cast the little robot guy. That's all right. That's all right. We'll do the... We'll get Alfalfa. We'll Don't get worry. C-3PO. Yep. Yeah, all right. The guy who all did right. C-3PO. Anthony we'll Daniels? Yeah, okay. we'll get him. Cool. <laughs> um, so we got the Green Ranger, and what what's going to happen is he's going to be mind-controlled, and he's going to... Like to lead in to the big like second act, Ooh. he's gonna kill Zordon. What? what? Zordon's going to die. I don't know how because I don't know exactly what Zordon is. <laughs> oh, Weller's gonna you know what? die. That's for David Goyer to figure out. Exactly. That's why we hire the big guns. Yeah. We got we got Goyer and Wally. I think we can. I they can, can. They can figure it out. <laughs> I can only imagine the brain trust, the gravitas that <laughs> Wally Fister will bring to that moment. But who better? <laughs> To play the Green Ranger, the brooding Green Ranger, the star of our, the future star of our franchise. Oh, man. You know where I'm going with this, Alex? I don't know. Taylor Kitsch. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Kitsch. <laughs> wow. So these are the big guns right now. Mind blown. All right. You don't know. You, <laughs> I don't think you understand how sold I am on this movie right Well, that, I mean, it'll, it means it'll make no money, but, <laughs> but, uh. Oh, poor one out for T. Kitsch. Not yeah. that he's dead, but. No. Well, he, <laughs> his career might be <laughs> exactly. So we're gonna get him a franchise back now that he lost out on <laughs> okay. Gambit. Sure. And I just I 
and Battleship and John <laughs> Carter. <laughs> Pretty much everything. Oh, God. Savages 2. Savages 2. All right. We're getting into the meat of it now. All right. Now, now we got the we Rangers. We got our Green Ranger. I decided to stick with the diverseness of the original cast. All right. If you remember... The original cast is kind of racist and sexist to yes, how they set up the the like, red the red ones got some Indian heritage yes uh, Native American Native American me. yes blue one's a boy pink one's a girl yeah yellow one's Asian yes black one's black yep. yes there yep. you go and they're all kind of stereotypes as characters as well yeah I read some I did a little research and some Power Rangers fans are like no like they start to transcend those stereotypes later mm. on in the series and I'm like well just let me make my jokes I bet Victor would agree <laughs> I mean, yes, I mean, it, it Victor didn't if you're gonna call us back please keep it under three minutes alright we're like, starting way under more like one we're start. we gotta remember we gotta have some youth to these characters alright um, we gotta have some young actors people who are gonna pull off because they're five high schoolers mm-hmm. so, they gotta go toe to toe with the tea kitsch exactly alright so the first one we're gonna do the Red Ranger he's the he's the obvious choice alright um, we need someone to, who can pull off the physicality uh, we're gonna do Taylor Lautner oh okay yeah I think uh, I think I don't think Taylor Lautner has been given a chance to shine as well I, I think he he's got something to prove yeah sure abduction yeah yeah it wasn't, yeah. It wasn't the leading role that he needed Right. But it might have been the one he deserved. Perhaps. And another big obstacle, I mean, I'm a Hollywood mogul, as you can tell. No, I know. And another obstacle we're going to have with a Power Rangers movie that I think is getting the female audience in it. Mm. Uh, And the girls still love Taylor Lautner. That's true. Judging by nothing I've seen. I'm liking this dual Taylor going on here. Exactly. That's the other. Thank you for picking up on that. Man. All right. We're going to move along now to the Black Ranger. All right. This This is another kind of obvious choice here. Is it Kevin Hart? No, oh my God, <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I like that. It's not that obvious. This though. is another one. He also knows he's a martial artist. He has been a martial artist, and and if I remember anything about the Black Ranger, it's that he was a dancer. He danced a mm, lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's pretty much all I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need a dancer. We need a martial artist. We need friend of the podcast. One Mr. Jaden Smith. Ooh. And you know what's nice about Jaden? He's got that Christopher Nolan connection because he wore that Batman suit to Kanye West's wedding. Maybe they can just paint it black and then exactly. he'll be Batman in a Power Rangers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He wore that All white right. Batman suit. Yes. I'm liking so, this. I'm liking this. Um, we, know, we know he looks good in the tight-fitting superhero-ish suit. So. Exactly. And after it. Yeah. Exactly. He's got some proven... Uh, proven you know. uh, <laughs> Another one that could use a franchise, and we'll have that Will Smith clout, that backing from Will Smith. That's true. So we're moving now. Um, Yellow Ranger had to go with an Asian, because that was another thing I did some research on. Originally, that wasn't as racist as it was. It was a Latino. Ah. A Latina. A Latina, excuse me. But um, we're going to stick. We're going to stick to our guns on this one. Mm -hmm. We are going to cast um, the girl that played Cho Chang from Harry Potter. (laughs) Ah, okay. Yes. You couldn't, you couldn't even... Did you look up her name? I did. I just wrote down Cho Chang and I forgot it. I'm sure she's a wonderful person and I apologize to her. I'm sure she's listening as well. I'm going to look it up. I like her because um, she fills the the Asian requirement. We're very, we're very stereotypical in this cast, but she's also Scottish. Ah, interesting. So it's a little global flavor. I like that. We can bring like a little that. bit yeah. more into it. Here. Yes. I like that a lot. Okay. Have we, no, keep going. Keep going. Have we found her? Okay. This is where we're going to start to break a little bit because we've got two left. We've got the pink ranger. We've got the blue ranger. Okay. Now, I want to... I want to be... Kate, Katie, Katie Leung. Yep. Okay. There you go. Okay. All right. I apologize, Katie. But I want to be a little progressive with the pink ranger. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time for this. Mm-hmm. I think that we... But we still need to stay true to the spirit of the series and be kind of offensive with it. Okay. We are going to get Chris Colfer, the gay kid from Glee, <laughs> to play the Pink Ranger. Can we use this? Oh, oh goodness. What just happened? That's amazing. I, uh... <laughs> what I'm going to do here, though, and what Goyer's going to do on the script, is we're going to turn this on his head. Because with the stereotype, he's in the pink... But what he's going to do at the end, uh, the Red Rangers, Taylor Lautner is going to get seriously injured, so they're going to be without a leader. Okay. That's when Chris Colfer is going to step up and be the badass. Oh, I like, like that. Because we don't That's see good. a lot of badass gay characters in That's movies. That's good. That's good. That's true. So I think this is what needs to happen. No, I like it. Side note, badass gay character in Rubicon. 
And Gay Perry. Ooh. Oh, Gay Perry as well from Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Wow. Yeah, there's not many though. It's true. It's, no, it's true. Val Kilmer's too old though. No, I know. No, no, no I know. We're, <laughs> we're just we're just saying there aren't many, so we wanted to point out the ones that are that are worth. I saying. don't want Val Kilmer okay. as the as the <laughs> Any, homosexual Pink Ranger. Anyway. But I, yeah, the Blue Ranger. I don't. I should have saved the Pink Ranger for last. I think that was my my go to. Oh man. The Blue Ranger, as you recall, is a bit of a nerd. When, when you led with T Kitch, I was like, "How how is he going to end this? How could it get worse? Did, did, did how could it get, I mean, how could it get better? Yeah, yeah like how are you going to like? Why would you like lead with T Kitch? But anyway, well, I wanted to not to criticize you. No, exactly. You wanted to get me in early, right? Okay. Because you're in now. I'm just oh, adding, like, this is the dessert right this now. This is icing, man. Yeah. So the Blue Ranger, if you recall, was a bit of a nerd. We've already got. I mean, we've already got all the audiences covered. Mm-hmm, yeah, we've got the females. Early. We've got the older audiences. We're going to need to bring in those young teen males that maybe don't aren't familiar with the Power Rangers mm. and so we need a nerd we need a nerd so we're just gonna cast one of those uh, sexy nerd girls from Facebook oh okay it doesn't matter which one okay sure <laughs> just go and like that group and just... go and like the group and pick one and that will be your Blue Ranger okay another progressive choice by me wow I think. so well, Tim I think you got a movie here I think I do you might Greenlight this thing let's I go will. Let's I, get it done. I hope I hope Wally and, and Chris that's for you Victor like that's I did that for you. I took time out of my day for you, Victor. Yeah. That's to... that's really nice of you. We're very, very... We, we, we love our fan base here at the... Uh, it's true. It's the true. MFN podcast. So, so if you have any more movies you'd like me to fan cast... Yes. Please, please, please send us feedback. We would love that very much. Um, you can send us feedback by writing us at feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com. You can give us a call at 248-733-5MFN, which is 248-733-5636. Um, you can actually get a hold of us on Twitter or Instagram at MFM Podcast, or you can check us out on Facebook by searching for Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. That about does it for us here today. Special thanks to my brother, not my brother, Mr. John on Twitter for <laughs> He's music. my brother. He's Alex's brother. <laughs> Mr. John on Twitter for music and uh, artwork. And um, yeah, that's about all we have today. Kyle XY, go watch a movie. <laughs>